Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Blessing and honor to be here. And and just we look alike, right? Yeah. I was down there thinking, uh, not only is my brother in Christ, but I think we're related somehow. I like his passion. I like his passion. He's better looking than me, though. He's better looking. Thank you, buddy. It's always a blessing to come to Nest Church. I feel like I'm at home here. Back in North Carolina, the Bible says a prophet is without honor in his homeland. I feel more welcome here than I do some churches in North Carolina. And I love, uh, I love Latino people, and I've been to about 15 Latino countries sharing the gospel, and it's a blessing to be here. I appreciate your pastor's heart. He acknowledges uh, different gifts in the body of Christ as an evangelist. A lot of pastors don't want to give up their pulpit, and I'll call him about a month or two in advance, sometimes a week in advance, <laughs> and he's always been gracious to say, hey, we can use you. And I just say, hey, I'm going to be in the area. If you can use me, I'll be there. And I appreciate you, brother. I love you. It's good to see some familiar faces here. How many of you have been here when I've spoken before? Raise your hand. How many have not been here when I've spoken before? Awesome. About more than half, Pastor. So praise the Lord. Well, pray for me. And uh, he said, as long as we were out by 1.30, just kidding. Uh, try to be out of here on time. Get to come about once every two years, so got a lot to say. Just kidding. We use this silly game of basketball as a platform to share Christ. You may be a doctor. You may be a lawyer. You may be a businessman, a business lady, a nurse, an electrician. You may work at Walmart. And whatever occupation God has given you, he's put you there to be a light to the world, to be a salt to the earth. You will reach people for Christ in the community that pastor could never reach. You'll reach uh, people in the community that Crossfire could never reach or a Billy Graham or Franklin Graham or Louis Palau or whoever could never reach. But unfortunately, there's a bad statistic for those of you that are in sports. We're going to bring sports in the message a little bit today. I've been blessed to go to the Olympics, about five different Olympics. Went to the one in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I ministered at the one in Sydney, Australia, ministered the one in Athens, Greece, ministered the one la- uh, last four years in Rio, Brazil. This year it'll be in uh, Tokyo, Japan, and started going with another evangelistic ministry out of Texas, and the world comes to the Olympics, people from all over the world. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today after I share with you about what the Lord's been doing in the ministry. You know, Paul went to different churches, and he didn't brag on himself, he bragged on Jesus. So everything that I say, I'm giving the Lord the glory. He just uses us as vessels, and you're looking at a broken vessel. If you follow me around long enough, I'd probably fail you. I don't want to fail you, but uh, your pastor may fail you one day. And if you find a church that's perfect, then that's heaven, because there's no perfect churches. When you or I come, that makes the church imperfect. So, uh, but we use basketball. We play colleges and universities. We go into prisons, military bases, preaching churches, youth rallies, revivals, Started a basketball camp 29 years ago when I was five years old, just kidding, as a dream. And I said, Lord, if one boy comes to the camp, learns some basketball, and gives his life to Christ, it'll be a success. I didn't have the name of Michael Jordan. I didn't have a gym. I didn't have any printing, but I had the Lord. 
And I know pastor has visions for this church and your leaders have visions. And the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and give you a future. So I started praying about that basketball camp 29 years ago. I was right out of college. And I said, Lord, do you want me to have this? Well, a guy came out of nowhere at a meeting and said, hey, I, you can use our gym free. I said, Lord, man, you're, you're hearing me. He, another guy came out, and pastor knows this. Some of us take this for granted, but printing costs money. And we've got away from printing a lot in these last years. We got it all on technology, which is good. But this printer said, if I can ever print anything for you, I want to do it as, as a donation. Well, pastor, probably in 29 years, he's probably given us a quarter million dollars worth of printing. Never charge us a penny. So I started putting posters and flyers up about the camp. I said, Lord, if 100 boys, I'm going to set a goal for 100 boys. By the time the deadline came, 175 boys were signed up with 35 on the waiting list. And we teach them all the basketball they could learn from the Miami Heat or the North Carolina Tar Heels or whatever your favorite team is. But more importantly, we're going to share God's word with them every day and hopefully teach them that uh, their, their identity is not in Christ. Some of us here, we have our identity in our job and our looks and our relationship and our bank account. For a long time in my life, I had my identity in basketball. It will fail you. It will come up empty. We try to fill that void with many different things, relationships, money, food. We can fill it with our church. We can fill it with a ministry. And I'm speaking to myself. Jesus wants it to be filled with him and his Holy Spirit. So, uh... This camp, the first summer came and we had 175 boys came with 35 on the waiting list. And over 100 gave their lives to Christ. And so mama said, when are you going to have a girls camp? We said, well, we'll pray about it. So we had a girls camp next summer, 65 girls, 240 boys. 28 years later, glory to God, we've had 21,000 young people come through the camp. With thousands, glory to God, giving their life to Christ. So I share that if you've got a dream for your family, your business, your church, it's not about numbers, but somebody was counting at Pentecost, right, Pastor? Because there were 5,000 saved, and that wasn't counting the wives and children, so somebody was counting. And then God wrote a whole book on numbers. So uh, God cares about numbers. Each number represents a soul. So you reach the thousands, or each one reach one, whatever you can do. But that's what we get to use is basketball. You don't, I don't need a basketball to witness. I witnessed this morning coming out of my hotel to two Cuban folks that were working at the little coffee shop there. And I thought of you guys because I know you have an outreach to Cuba. And some of you here at Cuba and I've talked to. And I've been to Cuba years ago and I just told Pastor this morning I'd love to go back. So maybe I can go back with you guys sometime to Cuba and uh, share the gospel. I want to show you a video, and this video is not to uplift Crossfire, it's not to uplift Jamie and I, but there's some music to the video, some great songs. It's going to show some different places the Lord carried us in 2019. We were able to be in 10 countries and 18 states, and glory to God, we saw over 21,000 public professions of faith. You say, Randy, that's great. Who, how many of those were real? Well, I pray every one of them was real, and I did all I could to make them real. But our job is some plant, some water, and God gets the increase. But as a good steward, I want to be accountable to the people that are praying for us and supporting us. And number one, to God of where we're going, who we're sharing with, what we're doing with our resources. So we have this ministry video. 
that's going to last just a few minutes. And again, don't focus on me or Jamie or who we're speaking to. Focus on people in your neighborhood that God has put in your path. And it's not just the evangelist's job to share the gospel. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but every believer in Jesus Christ is to be an evangelist. It's not about personality. It's not about charisma. It's about, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, Randy, I'm not going to Jerusalem. I'm not going to Judea. I'm not going to Samaria. They're shooting bombs over there. They're fighting. Well, guess what? They're fighting in Miami, too. And you got to go where God leads you. I've been to Israel 23 times. I'm still here. And I know your pastor's been. I've seen, I think I've seen some pictures on your Facebook and different things of different trips. But it's actually not talking about actually going to Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem is Miami. Your Judea may be Fort Lauderdale. Your Samaria may be North Carolina. Your uttermost parts of the earth may be California. Wherever God puts you, he wants you to be a witness. So I want us to pray. This isn't the message. But I want us to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart this morning in your neighborhood, at your workplace, in your community, and ask him to give you a divine opportunity to share the gospel. Friends, we say, well, I'm just waiting on God to open the door. Friends, the doors are open. People are lost all around us. If we can talk about the Super Bowl coming to town, if we can talk about our children, our grandchildren, if we can talk about our country, we can talk about our spouse, if we can talk about all those things, why can't we talk about Jesus? Thank you, Brody. Better? Cool. Thank you so much. So I sit, we sit, we soak, we sour, and we get extremely scared to share our faith. We're going to touch on that a little bit today. But uh, so this lady said that about my shirt. So after I got through pumping the gas, I said, ma'am, I'd like to talk to you. And I went back to the car and I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? She said, well, I'm trying to get there. So I explained to her that as uh, John 3 Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus didn't say, go to church. Yes, we need to go to church. Yes, I'm a member of a Bible-believing church. He didn't say, be good. He didn't say, uh, you know, go out here and give away food. He said, you must be born again. And 75% of the people in Miami, in North Carolina, in America, and around the world don't know how to get to heaven. If you don't believe me, start asking this question. Somebody asked me this 25 years ago, and it's changed my life. And I, and I was saved. I came to know Christ as a nine-year-old boy, but I'd gotten off the path. I let basketball become number one. I played on the same team with Michael Jordan when he was 17. I was 16 at a basketball camp. I let basketball become my guide, and I thank God for bold believers. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And the Bible says that he that winneth souls is wise. Now, don't raise your hand because I know you all would. But how many of us want to be wise? We all want to be wise. So the Lord wants us to win souls. And some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. So I went back and began to converse with this lady, shared with her that she could know right then 
if she was willing to repent and put her faith in Christ, gave her the Roman road. What's the Roman road, Randy? If you don't know it, write this down. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Put those three verses to memory. God will bring them back. That it's the word of God that pierces the heart. What I can talk somebody into, somebody else can talk them out of. But what the word of God puts on a person and the Holy Spirit, nobody can take it away. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating joints and marrow, soul and spirit, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We don't want to get in an argument, but we want to give them the word of God in love. It will not return void. The lady prayed to receive Christ, whoever the man was in the car with her, prayed to receive Christ with both with tears running down their face because of a silly t-shirt that she saw and she asked that question. So God uses witness wear. And Psalm 1, 1 through 3, he's going to shoot it up there for us. It says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is the recipe for living a gold medal life in Jesus. What do you mean by gold medal life in Jesus, Randy? Well, the Olympics are coming up. We'll all be watching the Olympics. And at the Olympics, I asked him to put up a gold medal. He's going to shoot that up there. Thank goodness for my man. That is, well, it didn't look better than that on my uh, iPhone, but you got the picture. That's a gold medal. It's a little bit distorted, but that, that was because of me. But there are 10,500 Olympic athletes that will be in Tokyo, Japan. They've all trained their bodies. They've all fasted. They've all eaten a certain diet. They've stayed away from sugar. They've gone out and ran. They've gone and lifted weights. When their friends were going to the movies or going to the lake or going to the ocean, as Paul said, they buffeted their bodies. Not buffeted their bodies, but they buffeted their bodies. 10,500 Olympic athletes. Only 300 Olympic athletes will get a gold medal. Many of them will go back to their countries that you represent. They're heroes in their countries, and they go back, and they go back depressed, disheartened. Some even commit suicide because their whole identity is in getting that gold medal, getting that that's going to perish. Carl Lewis, some of you remember Carl. He was a great American sprinter. I've been, met him at the Olympics several times. I asked him one time, I said, Carl, where are your Olympic gold medals? He won nine in 1976, I think, or 80, something like that. He's still living, but he won nine gold medals. He said, my gold medals are in a lockbox in Los Angeles collecting dust. That's what gold medals do. That's what clothes, moths will finally get to our clothes, our homes termites will finally get to our homes and that doesn't mean we shouldn't have nice things that we shouldn't take care of our things but friends it's all going to perish one day when Jesus Christ comes back we're leaving it all and we're taking nothing with us how many of you don't raise your hand but have seen a u-haul truck following a funeral procession 
We don't take anything with us. But man, we live like we do, don't we? And I'm speaking to myself as well. So I want us to look at God's Word today. I want to give you a few points of how to live a gold medal Christian life. Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, he's going to shoot that up there as well. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, a gold medal, a silver medal, a bronze medal, a paycheck, a car, a home. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. We can tie that in with fasting. Paul fasted. Your pastor is challenging you to fast. It was a challenge for me to fast as well. I used to fast more regularly. Pastor, I'm convicted. I need to get back to fasting. How can the mountains be moved in the sea? By prayer and by fasting. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. So Paul is talking about buffeting, disciplining our bodies like these Olympic athletes are doing when they're training to try to get that gold medal. So I want us to look at a few points here, how we can live a gold medal life in Christ. Obviously, number one, you've got to be born again. The question that I ask a lot of folks, and I got it from a pastor that's in heaven now who was right up the road here in uh, Coral Ridge, Florida. He was a Presbyterian pastor. I'm not in the denomination. I speak across denominations. I, I try to go to the church that lines up closest to the Word of God. By the way, I try to vote for the person that lines up closest to the Word of God. That's tough in our society, but I'm going to stand against abortion. I'm going to stand against same-sex marriage, and I'm going to stand for the family. So I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I try to look at those characteristics and find the person that stands closest to that. And there again, we didn't vote in a pastor. We voted in a president. And sometimes we, uh, we uh, look in the Bible and uh, look at some of the kings that were in the Bible. If you will remember, King David looked out over his uh, patio there and saw Bathsheba. And he liked what he saw and he kept looking. Guys, we got to not keep looking. He kept looking and he said, bring her to me. And then we know what happened then. And then we know that uh, from there, he was guilty. She was pregnant. He had to make up something and do something to get rid of this situation. So he brings this man back from the battlefield to be with his wife. The man was so loyal to the king that he wouldn't be with his wife. So he sent him back out to try to get him killed. Now this was a man after God's own heart. Now I'm not taking up for any president, white, black, green, purple, whatever, but you're supposed to pray for your president. You're supposed to intercede for your president. And if you get the opportunity, I got seven years ago when President Obama was in office, share the gospel with your president. If pastor lets me come back another time, I'll tell you what he said. Just kidding. <laughs> but I had a unique opportunity to share the gospel with President Obama. I took him by the hand. We talked about basketball. There was a fence between us. The, the uh, Secret Service let me get to him. 
God thing, take you too long to tell the story. But uh, we talked about basketball, and then I looked him in the eyes, and I said, Mr. President, I have one more question. And he said, okay, sure, go ahead. And I said, have you ever repented of your sins and given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it caught him off guard. And uh, he stuttered three times, and he said, uh, 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 I do that every day. And he grabbed his driver out of his golf bag and he took off. Now, I'm not here to judge President Obama or President Trump and say whether they know Jesus or not. I've heard different stories. I know folks that have shared with both of them. But the Bible says we can know a tree by the fruit it bears. And we look at the fruit. We look at the life. We look at the Word of God. And then you vote and you stand closest to the Word of God that you can. That's my pitch there. I didn't go past what I was supposed to, Pastor. He didn't even know I was going to say that. But I know what to say because we need to vote. And that's going to be one of our points in a minute. we got to stand with those that stand for truth. Whether you like them or not, whether they're perfect or not, if they're standing close to biblical standards, closer than the other one, you got to vote for that one. There's not a lot of choices. Sometimes it's voting for the lesser of the two evils. In order to be a godly, live a gold medal, Christian life, number one, you got to be born again. That's the first step. You got to repent and put your faith in Christ. And 75% of the people out there don't know how to get to heaven. The question I was going to mention a minute ago from D. James Kennedy, who's in heaven now, he started an evangelism uh, program called Evangelism Explosion. And here's a question you can use. This is what I use. You don't have to use this, but it's a good, what we call, diagnostic question. Because sometimes we don't understand how to engage somebody about their faith. And inviting someone to church, I'm sorry, it's a great thing to do, but that's not sharing the gospel. The Bible says go and tell. The message is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's the question I ask. I might come up to this brother right here at Starbucks and say, what's up, man? How are you? Where are you from? Miami. Miami. Where's your descendants from? Colombia. I've been to 68 countries, but I hadn't been to Colombia, but I'd love to go sometime. I use basketball to share my faith. Hey, can I ask you a question? Somebody asked me this 25 years ago, and it changed my life. They asked me this, and I pray it doesn't happen, but it could happen to any of us. If you died today, we pray that doesn't happen. I'm not going to shoot you. <laughs> and you stood before God. And he said, why should I let you into heaven? You don't have to answer. I know you know the answer. What would you say? 75% of the people will give you one of these two answers. Number one, well, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says there is none good, not even one. The best five minutes we could live wouldn't get us into heaven. So when they say, well, I'm a good person... I'm nice to them. I say, you know, that's a good answer. That's what a lot of people would say. But can I tell you what the Bible says? Nobody's ever told me no. And then I share with them, there is none good, not even one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then I turn it back on myself. Hey, man, you're looking at a sinner. I don't want to fail you, but if we were friends, I would fail you. And I let them know, hey, I'm a sinner. And they're a sinner too. I've lied. You've lied. I've cheated, you've cheated, I've had wrong thoughts, you've had wrong thoughts. And that's a problem with God because God is perfect and holy. And you and I are sinners. 
Now, I'm going to share this with you. You don't have to be able to do this to share the gospel, but God gives us different gifts, as Pastor said, and I would get thankful that God didn't call me to be a pastor because y'all would probably be gone in about a month because he knows how to love on you, and I know how to give you the word. I'm going out of here. I'm not coming back. Pastor's going to get on you, but he's going to love on you too. That's the gift of a pastor. My ministry partner, Jamie, has those gifts. It's called a pastor's heart. I have the gift called Son of Thunder. And uh, you give the word, you challenge, you stir. The, the evangelist's job is to afflict the comforted. The pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted. No, I have some of the both traits. But in a, in a setting, maybe I'd spin the ball. And when I grew up, I was really into basketball and did all the Pistol Pete Maravich ball handling drills, what Stephen Curry's doing now with the ball. I couldn't jump, white man's disease, so I worked on ball handling. So I would do different things with the ball. Mom and Dad would come home. I'd be spinning the ball on different fingers and so forth. And the next day they came home, I had a spoon out. And uh, when we go to Africa, Russia, Cuba, the Ukraine, Argentina, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Miami, we tell folks this is how boys from North Carolina eat ice cream. Not all of us, but a few of us. So you get it going real good and you eat your ice cream like so. But here's the message. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste the Lord? You repent of your sin. You give your life to Jesus. Find out how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. The next day, mom and dad came home. I had a toothbrush out. And just like this toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, I was blessed to be in Israel about two months ago and Bethlehem, Nazareth, Jerusalem. Got to speak at some schools. But one of my favorite places is Galgotha, the place of the skull. You look out there on those rocks, and they can't say it's the exact area, but it's definitely in the vicinity. And if you've been there, seen it on the Internet, those rocks definitely look like the face of Jesus. And Golgotha is where they put a perfect, sinless man between two thieves like you and I. And he had never done anything. Yeah, Randy, those Jews shouldn't have killed him. No, you and I killed him. With our sins. The Jews just happened to be the ones that God used. So you got a sinful world. Got to let people know they're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We got a holy God. Be holy as I am holy. God is a just God. Thank God that we have a just God. Because he's going to judge sin. And a, a holy God doesn't send people to hell. We choose that ourselves. Because we don't receive or choose what he did. And what he did is an example. He went to the cross. Fully God, sinful man. Jesus bridged the gap. He paid the penalty. He went to the grave. He didn't stay in the grave like Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, all the religious leaders you're going to learn about. You all know what he did on the third day he rose from the grave. And just like this silly toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jesus Christ wants to clean our hearts up. And give us peace and hope and purpose for living. Then you get excited about the Lord like I know all of you are. But the devil is trying to keep us from sharing our faith. So you get your, this is a flip phone. 
It also has a, a thread hanging from it, but we're going to go with it anyway. I can do it on an iPhone, but they're way too expensive. But I have to tell the young people what this is. It's a flip phone. So you get it going real good, and the Bible doesn't say if you want to be a witness, if you want to come to the car wash, if you want to go share the gospel. The Bible says we shall be witnesses. So there's some, some of us that need to call some friends today when we get home or some loved ones or some family members and say, guess what? I've lived in the neighborhood with you for 10 years. You see me going to church every Sunday, but I've never shared the gospel with you. You hear me talking about religion. You hear, I've even invited you to come to church, but I've never shared with you why I'm going, what changed my life. The death, burial, and resurrection, that's the gospel. 75% of the people out there don't know the gospel. The next most popular answer you're going to get, I'm Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Church of God. I'm Lutheran. Uh, my, my daddy was a preacher. I grew up in church. I go to a Christian school. I've been to FCA. I've been to Crossfire. Those answers, apart from repentance and faith in Jesus, God would have to say to me and you, I'm sorry, Randy, depart from me, for I never knew you. The Lord wants us to share the gospel. In order to live a gold medal Christian life, I'm going to move through these points quickly. The Bible shows us in uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? Seek godly counsel. Now, pastor didn't tell me to say this, but he can't counsel everybody in here. And this isn't even a, a mega church. That's why they have 26 associates at some churches. Pastor's really got the toughest job. And I'm not, he didn't tell me to say this. I say what God tells me because they got a lot of help at those big churches. But a pastor that's just a full-time pastor, and I don't know your, uh, who all is full-time and not full-time, but uh, you need to seek godly counsel. An elder. Women, seek a woman of God. Men, seek a men of God. When you need counsel, we all need counsel. The problem is we're just too proud to admit it. Don't go to the lady in the beauty shop that doesn't know the Lord or barely goes to church and ask her what you should do about your marriage. She'll probably say divorce him and find another one. Seek godly counsel. Psalms 1, blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's two choices out there. Godly counsel because they know Jesus and ungodly counsel because they don't know Jesus. Jesus is what makes us godly or ungodly. And also, you want to get somebody that's walking in the Spirit and hearing from God. So, yes, pastor can counsel some of us, but he can't counsel all of us. There are people like an evangelist, like a pastor, like the five-fold ministry that is gifted in teaching, gifted in counseling, that you can go and get biblical counseling for your marriage, for your teenagers, for your children, for your business, whatever. But it all points back to the Word of God. Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So number one, in order to live a gold medal, godly Christian life, an incorruptible crown, to get to heaven and the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, we need to seek godly counsel. I'm single. I'm praying for God's choice. I've asked pastor before in the past, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You have to seek godly counsel and pray. I could have been married a few times, but I'm... Uh, Pray for fear, Pastor. I've been on the diving board a few times, but I haven't dove in. 
funny thing, not funny to the ladies here because y'all want to be married. Us guys, you know, we kind of prolong it. And when you're traveling, you got to have the right wife. And, but I've got to become the right man before I can become the right wife because when I get married, my wife becomes my first ministry, man. That's tough. I'll be calling you for counseling, I'm sure, Pastor, one day. So number one, seek godly counsel. Number two, we see in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Number two, choose godly friends. Am I telling you not to have any unsaved friends? No. But I'm telling you those that you spend quality, intimate time with need to be walking with Jesus or they're going to pull you to where they are. 1 Corinthians 15, write it down. Bad company corrupts Good morals. If, if you're not hanging out with those that are walking with Christ, and you're hanging out more with those that aren't walking with Christ, be careful. Your intimate friends need to be those that are walking with Jesus. I thank God for Jamie Johnson. He's two days older than me. We're still both single. God sent us out in twos. But we ask each other the tough questions. How's your thought life, Randy? You went out with that girl. Did you keep it above board? Did you, uh, what, are you, what kind of music you listening to? What kind of movies you're looking at? How's your quiet time going? Those are questions that Paul wants us to ask, Jesus wants us to ask. We're buffeting our bodies. We're seeking to get that gold medal, that crown that Jesus is going to give to us, not where we can strut around like whoever wins the Super Bowl next Monday night in Miami is going to say, boom, look at me. They're going to pop the champagne open. They're going to shake it up. They may smoke cigars. They may get on TV and say, I'm going to go drink a lot of Budweiser that may get on TV and say I want to thank the man upstairs they need to give the glory to God how about a Tim Tebow that bows his knee when he scores a touchdown there are other players out there like that but we need to be giving God the glory we need to be seeking godly counsel we need to be choosing those friends that are walking with Jesus singles do not compromise I don't care how good looking he is or how fine she is or what kind of car he's got or what kind of uh, money he's got. Don't compromise. There are some of you in here today that could stand up and give a testimony. I wish I would have listened. He said he would go to church with me. He hasn't been to church with me since we got married. If that is your case, my heart goes out to you. And your pastor can give you counsel, but you pray. You seek the Lord. But make wise choices. You say, Randy, you're waited too long, buddy. Well, God's in control. God's, God's got me where he wants me. Paul said you can do more when you're single. But I, God willing, will be married one day. I got an 88-year-old, 89-year-old mama that wants me to bring some babies home to her. Could be too late, brother. I don't know. But I, I got a lot of spiritual children out there, right? So... Thank God he kept me looking decently young. Just kidding. Number one, seek godly counsel. Number two, build godly friendships. Number three, we touched on it about the way you vote. Stand with those that stand for truth. The artilleries of hell are pointed at your pastor, his family, his wife. And if the enemy can get your pastor to fall it's going to affect this church it's going to affect this nation it's going to affect this world pray for him lift him up encourage him I don't know the pressures of a pastor 
He, you don't know the pressures of evangelists. I don't know the pressures of a businessman or a business lady here. We all got different pressures, but I know this. If you're on the front lines for Jesus wherever you're at, the enemy's not happy with that. And he's going to come at you any way that he can, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. We have the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, to stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. And having done all to stand, pray. Pray. Seek godly counsel, number one. Build godly friendships, number two. Number three, stand with those that stand for truth. Number four, have a godly time with the Lord. In ministry, pastor might say this, he's probably more spiritual than me. He might not say this, but one of the main struggles I have in full-time ministry is spending time in the word and the prayer like I should. When you're called, you have a gift as a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, whatever. The enemy wants you to get out there doing your ministry and not spend time with him in the word and prayer. I like to listen to the Bible now on my iPhone. Read it, listen to it. There's lots of ways now that we can spend time in the word. We can spend time in prayer. So have a time set aside where you're praying, where you have a list of prayer requests, where you're praying over those prayer requests. The enemy, the average Christian spends five minutes a week in prayer. The average Christian spends five minutes a week in the Word. We're not going to defeat the enemy and the powers of darkness by spending five minutes a week in prayer and five minutes a week in the Word. It's not a checklist to check it off and say, okay, I read three chapters a day, a proverb, a psalm, boom. I've been that route before. It's not like about that, but it's spending time with the Lord. I'm learning that myself. Pray for me. None of us have arrived. Every one of us are being sanctified every day to be more like Christ. The next thing, if you're doing these things, then you should be bearing fruit. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Wow, I fall, I fall in a lot of those sometimes. But also bearing fruit. If you don't have a desire to tell people about Jesus, just what Pastor said earlier, if this would have happened this morning before I even had the chance to get up here, we could have left, we could have been finished. God already moved with us. But if you're, if you're, if you're not experiencing that, that doesn't excite you. If, it doesn't, if you don't have a desire to tell others about Jesus, then we need to check where we're coming from. Because we've got the answer to eternal life. Jesus said on the t-shirts, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That means those that haven't put their faith in Christ, our family members, our loved ones, are a heartbeat away from spending eternity separated from God in a place called hell. That's not good news. If we really believe that, then I think we're going to be strategic about praying for our lost friends and our loved ones and asking God to give us opportunities. I preached another message here before about the five lies the enemy will tell you real quick and we're going to be done. The number one lie that he's going to tell you about sharing your faith is I don't know the Bible. You can learn the Bible. You can learn the Roman road. There's some scriptures on the back of our crossfire card on the table. It's got the Roman road in the middle. It's got the sinner's prayer at the bottom. You can read that to someone. I, I encourage you to commit the Roman road to memory where you can share the gospel with someone. 
Number two lie the enemy's going to tell you is if I get excited about sharing my faith, Randy, I'm going to be persecuted. Guess what? You will. If you're walking with Jesus, if you're sharing Christ, if you're trying to walk with the Lord, you are going to be persecuted. You may get persecuted by some people right in here that think you're over the top. You're taking this stuff too serious. You need to calm down. You're going to drive them away. You can't drive them away. They're already away. We have to use discernment, wisdom, be gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. I'm not going to reach anybody back to Christ by going to South Beach today and standing in the corner and beating them over the head with a Bible. But it does take some strategic measures sometimes. I was down at South Beach one time when I was here. The Black Panthers were there. I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are African American. But they were standing on the corner there at South Beach, about six or seven of them, dressed in black. They were blaspheming the name of God. They were taking the Lord's name in vain. They were calling everything that wasn't black trash and so forth. I had one of my scripture shirts on. I went and stood right in front of them with my scripture shirt there, and I just stood there. And I just let them read it. I didn't cuss them. I didn't obviously didn't cuss them, but I didn't cast them into hell. Thought about it. Just kidding. But uh, we got to stand for the things of God sometimes. Friends, we've been blessed in America. Some of the countries that you all are from, you can tell me. I talked to somebody at the hotel from Venezuela. Man, I've been to Venezuela, but the missionaries don't even want us to come there now. We can't even come there now. I got a letter the other day from a missionary in Venezuela. They had to send their, send their son to Fiji or somewhere to try to meet up with them because the government is corrupt. But the church grows under persecution. That's probably what Paul was going through. We've got it good here in America. Why are we not fishing? Why are we not fishing for men, women, boys, and girls? I'm asking myself the same question. You will be persecuted, but it's okay. Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. None of us will get our heads cut off today for witnessing. In the Middle East, we got loved ones and brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ that are losing their heads because they won't share the gospel. Oh, because they will share the gospel, sorry. And all the disciples, how'd they die? They died martyrs' deaths. I'm not trying to get you to be a martyr, but if we could pull the veil back and see Stephen today, say Stephen's in pretty good shape. Stephen gave himself for the gospel. He took the stones. Thank God he took the stones because there was a guy standing there by the name of Saul that was holding the clothes of those that were throwing the rocks. And you know that had an impact on Saul because not long after that on the road to Damascus, Saul, God said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? And Saul had a conversion experience and became Paul. And then he wrote almost half the New Testament. Thank the Lord for Stephen. He's still reaping rewards for that in heaven if I don't stop I won't be asked back so we're going to wrap it up here number one gold medal Christian life seek godly counsel after you've given your life to Christ number two seek godly friendships number three stand with those that stand for truth number four spend time in God's word in prayer and praise music garbage in Garbage out. Some of us will go home and spend more time watching TV this week and movies than we will coming to church, being here on Wednesday night, going to the car wash and witnessing, 
uh, being a part of the life groups around town. We'll spend more time with the entertainment we're looking at. Well, Randy, man, come on. You can't be so hard. They only took the Lord's name in vain three times. I mean, there was only four scenes of sex outside of marriage. I mean, there's only nine out of ten relationships on TV are sex outside of marriage. Friends, garbage in, garbage out. If we're putting that garbage in our mind, we're not going to have a burden for the lost. We're not going to have a burden for lost souls. What kind of music are we listening to? When God got a hold of my life, my junior year, five minutes on the clock, stay with me. God got a hold of my life, my junior year. I took all the music I had that didn't glorify God and I threw it in the trash. You say, boy, Randy, that's pretty extreme. Well, let's see what the Bible says about it. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, which is our reasonable service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. How are we not going to be conformed to this world? By putting the things of God in our mind. How will we be conformed to this world? By putting the things of the world in our mind. Now, we live in the world. We can't be, we're still in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. Put those kind of music and movies that glorify God. You say, well, Randy, I find a good point in every movie. Well, why don't you give to the church and the building program and the tithing instead of going out here and spending 40 or $50 to take your family to a movie and build up the kingdom of the enemy? And he didn't tell me to say that. I believe, like Dr. Tony Evans says in... Uh, Dallas, Texas, who just lost his wife recently to cancer, and he's one of our advisory board members. He believes it, and I believe that every decision is a spiritual decision. I fall short. But guard your minds. Guard your computers. Garbage in, garbage out. Spend time in God's Word. Ask God to give you a burden for the lost, which we did before the video. Ask Him to give you divine opportunities. Number three lie the enemy will tell us two and a half minutes on the clock is, Randy, if I get excited about sharing my faith, wow, the devil is going to attack me. Guess what? He will. But the Lord has the power of prayer. We overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. The fourth lie the enemy tells us, Randy, I don't have to witness because we got a pastor. I don't know what you pay him, but you ought to pay him double. Because the athletes, the movie stars, the rappers, the, the rock stars make all the money. And the world's gotten turned around. Don't muzzle the ox that feeds you. He definitely didn't tell me that. You're probably taking care of him. But I see a lot of pastors. My ministry partner's daddy preached for 50 years. He was making a certain salary because he was so humble. He wouldn't ask for any more money. And when he retired, they double the salary the next pastor that came in. Take care of your pastor. Take care of your pastor's family. Encourage him. Reach out. Obviously, if he's in error, there's, there's false prophets out there. There's false teachers out there. I'm not talking about, you know, raising money to some of the crazy things we hear. But God wants us to take care of our pastor and his needs and his family and to pray for them. It's not just the pastor's job to witness. His job is to encourage us, to disciple us. He's going to be witnessing too, but join hands with him. You're only going as far as your leader does. If your leader's not a soul winner, you're not going to be a soul winner. Fifthly, Brother Randy, I don't have time, man. You're single. You're called as an evangelist. You've been all over the world. I got a wife. I got kids. I got family. Man, I don't have time to witness. Witness as you go. 
Witness at work. Share at the gas station. Share when God gives you the opportunity. You can't witness to everybody. They accuse me of trying to do that sometimes. But that's not, you pray and ask God to bring you opportunities. But for many, far too many times, we don't look for the opportunities. We're missing them. We're walking right by them, praying for God to open the door. And the door's already open. We got to open our mouths in love and share the gospel. Get you some gospel tracks. Don't jam it in their face and say, read this, you're going to hell. Nope. You're not going to reach them like that. Put a smile on your face. Say, hey, this message changed my life. Or can I take you to lunch? Can I buy you a meal? Bake them some cookies. Mow their grass. Wash their car. A gift given in love opens the way for the giver. Y'all are awesome. I'm speaking to myself. We all want to live a gold medal Christian life. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to open the altar up. Pastor can lead the invitation. We've had one. People have been prayed for. But I'm... I'm good. If you need to go, I'm sure you can go. But I want to close in, in prayer with this thought. Number one, if you don't know Christ, if you died today and you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? The only answer is that I've been born again. Randy, that's a strange term. What does that mean? Well, you're born of water. You come down through your mother's birth canal. The water breaks and wow, out you come. And some people say, I've been crying ever since. In order to be qualified for heaven, you got to be born physically. All of us have been born physically here. Number two, you got to be born of the Spirit. It's very simple. I was in a Lutheran school speaking one time. I went into the pastor's office afterwards. I said, Pastor, when did you give your life to Christ? He said, Randy, I'm ashamed to say I've been preaching at this church for 10 years, and I think I gave my life to Christ two years ago. He said, you know, us Lutherans just evolve into it. I'm not picking on denomination, but we don't evolve into it. It is a one-time decision, just like you're born physically, you've got to be born again. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you've never made that decision, if you acknowledge you're a sinner like me, you believe the illustration that Jesus bridged the gap, and you're willing to repent, Christ will come into your life right here. Number two, maybe you know the Lord. And the instrumentalists can come as they begin to play. This altar is open. Maybe you're living a lukewarm Christian life. Maybe you need to come in the altar and just say, Lord, I can relate to Randy like he put basketball before the Lord. I put something else before the Lord, and I need to come back to you today. And I need to lay it on the altar. I need to confess something that's in my life. This altar is open. There's something about a public decision that lets us know we mean business. Number three, maybe you haven't been fishing. Maybe you haven't been sharing your faith, but God put somebody on your heart and you want to just come here and lay them on the altar and, and begin to pray that God will give you the words to say in the open door or that he will give you divine opportunities to share your faith as you go. I'm sure if anybody needs prayer for anything else, healing, touch, physically, spiritually, emotionally, this church is a praying church, I know. So I know this altar is open. I'm going to close in prayer. The instrumentalists will play some invitation time. If you need to make a decision, I'll turn it over to pastor, whatever he wants to do. I'm going to be outside. Any of that stuff interests you, I'll be there to talk with you, to encourage you, to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I know we've gone. I've gone a little long. I pray, God, that that wouldn't hinder anyone from coming back. If they're a visitor, I won't be here next week. No pastor tries to stick to the time. But, Lord, we can't put you in a box. If the game goes into overtime... We, most of us wouldn't leave. We go to a movie, we spend two and a half hours watching things that probably don't glorify you. 
So, Lord, thank you that we can worship you. Help the church in America to learn that we can't be looking at our watches all the time. Father, I pray right now if there's a person within the sound of my voice who doesn't have the assurance if they died today, they would go to heaven, that by your Holy Spirit you will convict. Lord, I pray right now if that person is here, young person or adult, and you need to make this decision, you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. And it's not just words, but it's acknowledging you're a sinner like me, believing that Jesus died and he rose And number three, willing to repent and receive that free gift of eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about what we do. It's what he did. If you need to receive Christ, you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner like Brother Randy. But today, Lord, I understand the gospel. And just like that silly toothbrush cleaned Randy's teeth, Jesus, I want you to clean my heart up. Just tell him, Lord, I repent right now. I turn from my sin. Just tell him, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm trusting you to save me. I don't understand everything, but I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me. And right now, by faith, I put my trust in you. I receive the free gift of eternal life. Just tell him, thank you if you prayed that minute. Thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. That's your prayer today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If we got a new car, if we got a new suit, we got a new pair of shoes, man, we want everybody to see us. We want them to see our children. We come to know Jesus and we get ashamed. The Bible says, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me, I will deny you. If you prayed that today, you meant it. We are amongst family and friends here. Shouldn't be ashamed of that. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. You prayed that for the first time or you understood it. You nailed it down today. You weren't sure like I wasn't at 20. But but I said, Lord, I want you to know that I know that you're in my heart. You prayed that today. You meant it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You shouldn't have to hesitate. Just slip your hand up right where you're at. I prayed that today, Brother Randy. I nailed it down. Amen. 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 I invited Jesus to come into my life. I wasn't sure, but I made sure today. If you raised your hand, I want you to raise it again and look up at me. I prayed that today. I meant it. I nailed it down. Did you mean it, brother? Amen. Did you mean it, brother? Did you mean it, brother? Amen. If you made that decision, I'm going to encourage you. When pastor comes up here, let him know you made that decision. This is your spiritual birthday. I can't make you come, but there's something about a public decision that lets you know you mean business. It's scary, Randy. It's okay. We love you. Pastor loves you. He wants to help you grow. Second prayer is this. Brother Randy, I know the Lord. I know I've trusted him as my Savior, but... Man, I can relate to your story a little bit. I've gotten off the path. I've let something become number one. I don't need to be saved today, but I need to confess some things in my life. The Lord has put his finger on If that's the case in your life, you pray this. Dear Jesus, I know you live in my heart, but I've gotten off the path, Lord. I've become lukewarm in some areas. 
And right now, Lord, I confess it to you. Whatever it may be, friend, you just confess it to the Lord in your heart and just accept his cleansing. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just tell him, Lord, I want you to be number one in my life today. I want you to be the head coach of my life. Not the assistant, not the part-time, but I want you to be the head coach. If that's your prayer today, prayer of recommitment or total surrender of your life back to the Lord with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd ask you to lift your hand up. Just keep it up nice and high. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Awesome. Last prayer is this. About 13 of you have made decisions so far. I'm going to ask you to, when this instrumentalist, when the song plays, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Just kneel on the altar. Make it public. If you need one of us to pray with you, we'll be happy to. Last prayer is this. Brother Randy, you talked about fishing for men. And I haven't been fishing. Yes, some of those five points you hit on are some of the very ones that I deal with. But I know the Bible says, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I want you to pray for me today, Randy, for holy boldness. I want you to pray that God would give me courage. I want to be in line with the word that says the righteous are as bold as a lion and he that winneth souls is wise. It scares me, but I know God used the fisherman. He used the common man. He used the simple man. You don't have to spend a ball on a toothbrush. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be a great athlete. You don't have to be a great speaker like your pastor. You just have to make yourself available. And today, I want to make myself available. It's not my ability, but it's my availability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If that's the desire of your heart today, as I close in prayer and turn it over to pastor, you want to God to use you, to give you divine opportunities, to be a witness. You want to learn to share your faith. I'm not going to make it easy on you. If that's the case in your life, and I'm already standing because I fall short every day, but if you want to be a seed planter, a soul winner, you want to be part of following the game plan that God gave us, not the suggestion, but the game plan, and you want prayer this morning for that, with heads bowed and eyes closed, stand to your feet. I'm already standing. I want prayer that I'll be, have boldness, Brother Randy, that I'll have courage, that I'll be a soul winner, that I'll be a seed planter. Don't worry about who's standing. This is between you and God. I can't make you stand, friends, but we should all be standing because we don't share the gospel like we should, but don't do it because of me. Lord God, I thank you for these that are standing. Lord, I'm standing with them, and I fall short, God. We fall short. We pray for holy boldness. We pray for courage, Lord. We pray for divine opportunities. Lord, just like we have to learn to throw a football or shoot a basketball, we need to learn how to share our faith. We need to get with a mature believer, get on the website, get with pastor, and learn how to share the gospel, Lord. I pray you would help us to do that. Give us souls for our labor. God, give this church souls for their labor. The programs that pastor puts together, car washes, reaching out, whatever, to go out and present the gospel to people. Lord, give us the courage to go. Give us the courage to go and share the gospel, Lord. The lost is all around us. I pray for souls for this church, for these leaders, for these members, God. We're not here to put each other down. Lord, I fall short. Forgive us, God, when we fall short, when we don't share the gospel. You do it through us, Lord. Thank you for these that raised their hand for salvation today. 
Thank you for these that raised their hand for recommitment today, God. You have your will during this time that we can make these decisions public. Pastor, you come as the Lord leads you. I'm in the altar praying for those I know that don't know the Lord. If the Lord wants you to come, you come. Take advantage of this altar. Act of faith.